2: Josh Brown, it's The Windup. I'm Scott Tailford. You're Josh Brown. That's what I just said. But we talk about (laughs) the latest video games, the latest talking points, the latest news, etc. in the gaming industry. And we're going to do a big old bumper, meaty, bulky podcast about everything that's coming across 2023. Now, a lot of these things have specific months attached to them, specific dates attached to them. And then there's a massive chunk of just TBA games that are going to slot in somewhere across the next few months. Because even January through to June, um, you've got a good handful of games for each month how are you feeling at this at this stage well
3: scott honestly i briefly mentioned this in the podcast that we did last week yes but i genuinely think if the majority of the following games do drop uh-huh. in 2023 it's going to be one of the best gaming <laughs> years if not the best gaming year of the past decade. It's definitely I gonna genuinely be think it's amazing. The
2: most gaming. Yeah. <laughs> it it's definitely is. the most gaming we'll do. Uh, yeah. So we'll get through as many of these as we can. I'm um, still waiting for the gaming industry to have more news things kick in. Um, and we'll might do some videos and stuff on those as they appear. Um, but yeah, this is going to be a mammoth podcast. So we'll get through as many. Well, we're literally going to get through the entire gaming calendar as it stands uh, right now, um, including some notable updates for games that are already out that are getting meaningful updates on uh, new gen or next gen systems. Are we calling it current gen yet? I think now we can call it current gen. We yeah. are technically like in the third year, second year. Which That's is a crazy. horrible statement. Absolutely. This is the PS5's third year. Um, speaking of um, a notable upgrade for a game, though, we'll not spend too much time on it, but Dragon Ball Z Kakarot is getting its PlayStation 5 slash Series X update on the 13th of January, which is very, very soon. This will be the end of this week, I think. What a time it was last year
3: when we were in that Dragon Ball oh. bubble. And we were Go watching, find those podcasts, they're so good. Yeah, watching Dragon Ball, playing Dragon Ball. <laughs> (laughs) I saved the DLC for Dragon Ball Z Kakarot. Uh, I think it's something, something of Trunks, where you play as Trunks in the future. Uh Um, Because I knew that this update was coming, and obviously there's new DLC coming as well for Mm -hmm. it. And I do want to play this game with, um, you know, the nice next-gen visuals, the nice updates. Will I go back to it outside of the Dragon Ball bubble, Scott? I'm not (laughs) sure. I think I was a little bit optimistic with that. Uh But if there's anything reliable in this life, it's the Dragon Ball bubble coming back. So at one point this year... Uh Uh I will be booting up the next gen version of this, the update, and playing that DLC, but I just don't know when. It won't be this week for sure.
2: That's my thing I looked, because this thing is getting like a whole texture overhaul. The water looks more beautiful for the open world. There's a lot of stuff going on that just is a a visual, immediate visual punch. Um, So, yeah, (laughs) the first thing we've talked about. Next thing down is Forspoken. That's on the 24th of January. I think this is going to bomb. I think it's it's a
3: disgrace that this game's coming out on my birthday. (laughs) I feel that is a personal slight against me. No, I, I, I hope this game is good. You know, mm. it's it's become a kind of a laughing stock that demo, mean. by all accounts, didn't do it any favors. But I just, I don't want the. For my, for my money, this is the first big game of the year. Yes. And I don't want the first big game of the year mm. to be a disappointment. So I am genuinely hoping and cautiously optimistic that this thing will be good. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't want to tell you my true <laughs> thoughts and whether I think it will be good <laughs> or not, but you can maybe intone from my tone right now what I do think about it. <sighs> What's your opinion on this, Scott? We briefly mentioned it last week,
2: I think. I think if you... Uh, you know that whole... That old... Is it a Shakespearean thing about like a million... An infinite number of monkeys will eventually type the entire works of Shakespeare. Yeah. I think a select number of algorithms will make a video game like this. I just feel like there's not, a, as you know, I just, the amount of money being thrown at it, the amount of talent that is behind it. We talked about this last week, I think. Well, um, just in general, you know, you've got Gary Whitter, you've got Amy Hennig on the writing team, and the fact that you can't feel that in the trailers is an immediate red flag. Um, and then you've got the fact that, you know, there is a playable demo out there for people to try. Um, however, the general reception to that was just people going, like, yep, it's exactly what I thought it was. And now I don't need to spend £60, £70 on it or whatever. Um, so we'll see. Hopefully, there are some redeeming qualities in the overall structure of the story. Because, um, oh my God, it looks very empty.
3: I yes. have a prediction. I know we're doing a predictions podcast with James Dow uh, Oh yeah, this week. Yeah. Tomorrow, spoilers. But yes. my prediction is that you are saying to me in private that yes. you probably won't play this game. I don't think I will. I suspect you'll be there at midnight on the 24th. Into the early hours, playing Forspoken. Something tells me there's going to be a pull there, like you said, because of the talent that's on board. That you're specifically going to have to know. And I know <laughs> you've already played the demo, but I just I'm going to put that out there. We'll mm. revisit in a few weeks to see whether you did or did not do this. But I suspect that you might.
2: The thing, is, usually, I do need to know. I feel like I know from the tra- from the gameplay right. thing, because if there's one thing Square Enix are really good at, and it's very few things these days, it's giving you really meaty demos. And the Octopath Traveler demo was like eight hours. Like you can you can literally play. Massive chunks of that game and the Forspoken demo. I forget if it's time limited or area limited, but you can get a really good feel for that game um, immediately. Like they give you a nice set of powers and you're in an open world space and whatever. So it's like I, you can get a, a feel of like a vertical slice of that game. Yeah. So I that scratched the itch for me. So I was just like, I know this isn't worth my time, and I feel like it's just gonna bum me out if I force myself to play Forspoken. Well, especially at 1 a.m. Here's
3: the thing. Go I on. feel like, and correct me if I'm wrong. Yes. You knew that the Callisto Protocol after an hour <laughs> wasn't worth your time, but that I didn't- the slog and you did finish that game.
2: No, I did, but I well, I love third person sci fi horror, which is a massive thing anyway. But I got through Callisto, sorry, I played Callisto and bought Callisto because of previous anticipation. Yeah, there was no demo for that game, <laughs> you had to get it to find out. The only red flag I had for Callisto was that the audio podcast was terrible, and I was yes. like, Oh my god, if, if this is the level of writing we're going for, this is gonna suck. Um, anyway, uh, next game down, you were saying about the first games of the year. I think a lot of people's first game of the year will be on the 27th of January for Dead Space. Yeah. That seems like it's the thing that's going to dominate, um, well, the very tiny amount of time it's allowed before more games come out. But where you at on the old Dead Space?
3: Yes, man. I'm, I'm 100% down for a new Dead Space mm. and specifically a revisit to the original mm-hmm. Dead Space because I've only played that game once when it came right. out in 2008 or whatever really? it was. Just the one time. Uh-huh. Never really had the pull to revisit it because my Dead Space was always Dead Space 2. That was the game that I loved and that was the game that I replayed over and over again and know uh, quite intimately. I'm very familiar with, you know, the general, you know, moment-to-moment combat, the Mm -hmm. moment-to-moment plot beats of that game. The first Dead Space, not so much. And I have a fond memory of going through it. Mm -hmm. um, But I'm I'm really eager to see how it holds up, what modernizations have been done. Mm -hmm. Because obviously that was such a pioneering survival horror experience at the time, like completely eclipsed Resident Evil was doing, even yeah. though Resident Evil was good. Like this, this brought so much to the table in terms of you know immersion, or even basic things like being allowed to
2: aim while you move, which you <laughs> couldn't do at Resident <laughs> Evil at the time. You know what I mean? Back in my day, we didn't move and aim at the same time. We, we had to deal with what we did.
3: had. Um, and it looks like a faithful um, update of the game. Yes. And yeah, this will probably be my first game of the year, and I just think it's going to be a nice welcome mm. into this kind of modern era of third-person survival horror that Mm. we are going all in on now, it seems, with the Callisto Protocol last year, with Dead Space Now, Mm -hmm. with Resident Evil 4 that we're going to talk about in Silent Hill... Silent Hill 2 that we're going to talk about mm-hmm. feels like this is very in vogue and I'm interested to see if it uh, actually feels fresh or if it just feels dead
2: I was quite surprised when they put the there's a gameplay video out, I think it's on IGN about the first sort of half an hour of the game and it's comparing that side by side I initially thought it was just a texture overhaul that they were doing but they've gone in and like, they've given Isaac Clarke voice acting for Dead Space 1 which is a massive diff, massive difference because um, obviously that was a whole thing for DS 2 and 3 um, and then they've changed like that and immediately that changes the feel of that entire intro and like changing some of the camera angles and stuff. Um, things like that are really, really cool. Um, in the words of Alan Partridge, though, can I shock you? Because <laughs> um, I did, I did, I put a little poll out on the Culture Gaming um, community page over on YouTube because as oh, I like you, to do, as is like my one. I love a little poll. Um, I love seeing what people think. And um, we had 12,000 responses from, um, it was only a couple of days ago, um, favoring Dead Space 1 over Dead Space 2. Now, I thought Dead Space 2 would win. Um, Dead Space 1 coming in with 65% of those 12,000 votes and Dead Space 2 with only 35%.
3: I believe that, right? Mm. Because Dead Space 2, in a way, was a little bit sacrilegious because because Dead Space 1, as everyone is going to find out if they haven't played it, (laughs) is very, you know, kind of low key. It still has a lot of action in it. It's the alien
2: of the alien of the franchise. It
3: 100% is. Like, that is the alien in the Dead Space 2 is the aliens. Yes, totally. And a lot of people at the time, even when Dead Space 2 was coming out and getting good reviews, people were saying, how have they jumped the shark already? Mm. How have they gone so blockbuster with this series already when the first game was more of an atmospheric classic survival horror experience, and number two is more set-piece driven. It's bigger. It's got more money behind it. It's more lavish. Mm -hmm. To me, I never minded that because what they accomplished with Dead Space 2, in my opinion, was of such a high caliber that Mm. I didn't mind because it was like jumping from alien to aliens. Mm. But I do know that, you know, like this poll reflects, a lot of people were like, why are we jumping to this right now when you've just proven Mm. that you can have a really good classic survival horror experience? Why do we have to do and make the same quote unquote mistakes that Resident Evil did?
2: Yeah, well, the thing is that I was, I'm always an alien man. I'm I'm not, I don't really like aliens that much to be completely honest. And then in, in terms of Dead Space, stuff, finished Dead Space 1, barely got out the first hour of Dead Space 2, and I've tried Dead Space 2 like six times, and <laughs> um, I just keep going back to it, and it never, it, for whatever reason, I just don't latch onto that game, um, and I never managed to get through it, so I'm, I'm kind of looking forward to seeing what Dead Space 1 feels like in 2022, um, and I am I guess more, pro- um, it is more promising that they have gone in and changed more meaningful things, yes, like the voice acting and stuff. Um, to round out January, uh, on the 31st of January is Season, um, a whole game about, and well, they've kind of been, they've put a little gameplay demo out that you can only get by pre-ordering and I refuse to pay them in advance just for a demo. Yeah. Um, but Season is the game that you might remember from um, previous Game Awards um, You know, trailers and stuff. It's like a cel-shaded thing about a student going around kind of mix, making like a mixtape um, using various pieces of audio that they find around the world. It's kind of like the mini game that you do in Miles Morales or the series of side quests right. where it's like, okay, I'm recording like a taxi. I'm recording some birds in a tree and then I'm looping it and I'm making a beat and then I'm putting it together. And I think that the game is more about exploration and culture and just having that um, that feeling of being on like a gap year or whatever it is. Um, just going off the trailers, I haven't obviously haven't, uh, I've not bought the demo. Um, but still, Season is one of my most anticipated games just because I love the idea of that. Yes. Um, at one point, um, I just love the idea of getting like some sort of recorder, a decent high fidelity recorder. And I was like, what kind of beats can you make from walking through a city um, and looping different things and, and just making music from life itself? <laughs> and I like that idea. So I'm curious what they do with that in the game. I, I imagine the beats come together anyway. Or even yeah. how much of the game is even case that maybe it's more about just walking around because that gameplay demo you can see the video of it <clears throat> on YouTube um, and it just seems very promising. But it, I didn't want to spoil it for myself, so I didn't jump through too much. But um, quick thoughts on the old season: I think it looks it does really look lush.
3: Like the art style is absolutely gorgeous. I remember the first trailer I saw for it a few years ago, mm. and it kind of like took me aback. Mm-hmm. Uh, since then, obviously, it's had like a lot of delays and stuff, mm-hmm. and I don't really know what the game is because, like I say, I haven't looked at the gameplay trailer mm-hmm. for third-person
2: exploration of, and for the basics.
3: Yes, and uh, even that um, idea that you were putting together these beats that was kind of, I forget that every time even though every time you mention it you describe what it is, Mm -hmm. I always just view it as this explorative thing, Mm -hmm. it's one that I am again optimistic about I'm probably going to wait for reviews Mm -hmm, on mm -hmm. it but I do hope that it hits because it does look like it has
2: so much potential like you said Um, so moving into February, and um, we got a Ho- what the hell is the Hogwarts game even called? Hogwarts Legacy. Hogwarts Legacy. I've just got Hogwarts written down on here Hogwarts. Um, on the 10th. Now, I'm not a Harry potter man whatsoever. I'm a Lord no. of the Ringsman, um, yes. left, right, and center I'm a Game of Thrones-man or a Witcher-man. So, um, but the thing is, looking at the gameplay for Hogwarts, I love uh, PsyOps and Second Sight and games where you can telekinetically throw dudes around. So as much as I'm not a Harry Potter fan, looking at the gameplay for this, I was like, I, I could go for throwing some dudes around. I just yeah. think I hate everything about where it's set. Yeah, so, yeah, I don't
3: know. I think that's fair. I I won't be getting this, and no. I you know out of curiosity, I looked at the uh, the gameplay sort of deep dive that they did, and I was like, man, you know, for some people this might be amazing, but it just kind of looked like Assassin's Creed to me. And I've had Ooh. so many Assassin's Creed style clones right, over right. the past few years, which in and of itself is kind of a Witcher three clone. And yeah. it's like I've played a version of this game before, mm. and now I, it, it, it's it's not for me in general. Mm. Like uh, hog hog like. Harry Potter in general is not something I want to buy into right now anyway. Same. So it's like, no, uh, that one's a no from me. Even I'm very
2: curious, because the thing is, like, if you go back to when in the 2000s, or the when, when the Harry Potter started, the very early 2000s, I think so. growing up with people who were always Harry Potter fans, all the various movie tie-in games that got closer to the idea of just letting you explore Hogwarts. I, I don't know, it's just, I apologize to the Harry Potter fans. I forget the specific one, which is which, but I think it was Half-Blood Prince that let you just explore Hogwarts. That was the first time they did an open world one as a movie tie. And I remember a lot of people loving the idea of that. Yeah. And it's always been, even the old PS1 ones, it was like, oh, it's cool to be able to walk around this place yeah. and just live the dream of being a student at Hogwarts. So, assumedly that'll be the thing that it does the best. But yeah. then for me, I was like, can I get into the combat? I, I think I'm just going to hate everything else. Um, so we'll see. I'm curious how that thing lands because hopefully the, there is merit to that overall. Because um, it seems that like there's a lot of money been thrown at it. And it seems like, you know, just on paper, if you're a Harry Potter fan, um, it just is the culmination of a dream that you might have had for about 20 years. Um, so there's potentially for that. Um, the next one down is Wild Hearts uh, on the 17th of February. Now, this, again, you talk about algorithmic games, um, seems promising, but is literally Monster Hunter meets Horizon meets Fortnite. Right. Have um, you seen the trailers for Wild Hearts? Oh, no, please tell me more about so this it. This is like EA's attempt at doing a Monster Hunter game. And I'm, I'm up for someone doing more Monster Hunter stuff. I feel like there are still a Monster Hunter vibes in Horizon. It's like, you know, the idea of you take down the quarry, you mine the bits that are in there, and you make better weapons or you make better gear. Um, yeah, Wild Hearts is pretty much EA's attempt at that. So it's kind of like a um, monster hunting thing, but you're hunting like, you know, tech creatures, kind of like Horizon. That's where the Horizon comparison comes from for me. You're building structures very immediately, very fast, but it's set in like, I'm sure it's old Japan, like Edo Japan. Um, so you're like instantly building like wooden structures. So it's like, they're just making a leap for the steampunky kind of stuff. Um, and then you've kind of got, yeah, like Monster Hunter meets Horizon mechs meets Fortnite building mm. um, and like a hand glider. So it's like you're building a tower and then hang gliding out off the top of it to take a monster down or whatever, and it's all very co-op. So co-op stuff makes me run for the hills, me but <laughs> there is a single-player version of it. So we'll see. I, I don't like, know what you think. You
3: know what? I like the blends of things on paper, that it is blending there. That was yes. a bad sentence, but you know what I mean? I like <laughs> the idea of what Will you said Will it blend? There. Will it blend? It might. Is it is it a Spotify blend? Who knows? <laughs> uh, you know, being able to build something and paraglide off it, like you said, that sounds really cool. Mm. Could have a lot of emergent gameplay and mm-hmm. um, you know, opportunities in there, but I don't know, this will be one that I'll have to see in motion and yeah. have to see how it reviews before getting excited for it myself. Games like
2: this remind me of, like, when a plate is repaired, uh, like a dropped plate, and yeah. it, you, so, well, it's still usable, and it's fine, and it's functional, but I can see where you've glued it all together, and it's maybe from a distance it's fine, but, like, yeah, I'm curious. I mean, there's a lot of money going into it, and there's, there's a lot of money in the Monster Hunter IP as well. It is yeah. Capcom's biggest IP right now.
3: I will say as well, I think yes. I'm kind of over mechs in an Anak, anachronistic setting in a way. Like I I quite like it in Horizon because Mm. of the story grounding that that awards the world. Mm -hmm. But otherwise, I don't think I really love steampunk in general. And yeah, the idea of like that being translated to a mech. Well, I guess they're only really using the
2: steampunk Mm -hmm. stuff as like a way to let you instantly build something that, that it's just their excuse for like, how do we get tech into an older setting or whatever. but yeah, I think overall, it's uh, I thought it looked really confused with itself in the trailer. Um, I'm also really curious, I might do another poll about it, whether or not people react to, you know, it's like, for me, I'm like, I can see the business reality of why you've made this. You've realized Monster Hunter is a big deal, and you've gone, okay, what else can we blend? Okay, Horizon meets Monster Hunter meets Fortnite. That's, you just interlock the fingers in a business meeting, and it's like, let's make loads of money. And that always makes me run a mile, because I'm just like, well, where's the original stuff? Where's the artistic uh, integrity, and what are you actually going for? And so, maybe it'll play well, and that'll save the whole thing, um, but there's always that invisible like glass ceiling thing for me where I can only get so excited about something that is devoid of like originality that just feels like it's pieces of a game stitched together.
3: Well, I'm sure we'll get to that in general at some point, but I yes. know
2: that this year, obviously,
3: we're going to get to them. We've already had some of them now. It's so full of sequels and, mm. you know, um, old IP that's returning remakes, reboots, mm-hmm. all of that stuff. And even when you do get a quote-unquote original game, it's heavily influenced by a bunch of different titles, a bunch True. of established gameplay styles. And I know you, on the podcast last week you were kind of wanting more original titles and <laughs> yes. it does I do fully sympathize with where you're coming from and this is an original that. title in IP
2: that's the thing Like, for, like that the only reason I would ever buy Forspoken is to support an original IP Right. I wouldn't even play it but I would just get it to be like look this sold guys this new thing sold but is there an issue with like even the new IPs
3: being so indebted to gameplay styles and formulas that we've had for years now like mm-hmm. you said you know this mixing Fortnite and mm-hmm. Monster Hunter and all of that stuff and I know everything is kind of an amalgamation of other influences and that's totally fine. But I feel like in some games now it's just it's just way more blatant. Yeah. Right? It's yeah, just way yeah. more blatant that you're doing an Assassin's Creed mm-hmm. or you're doing a Witcher or you're doing a I don't know a, a narrative narrative driven game in the vein of Sony. Yeah, whatever, man. well you
2: know? even um, Wild Hearts like approach to a quote unquote open world is to segment it, which is what Monster Hunter used to do. Right. Um, because Monster Hunter World gave you like an actual full play space, Monster Hunter Rise, went back to the segmented thing, I think. Um but Wild Hearts has like little you're loading into parts of a biome and you can go between them. But that's like that's what Monster Hunter always used to be so it's like even that is a kind of like a callback um, to like you know Monster Hunter fans and whatever. Um, The next game down is Yakuza Ishin that comes out on the 21st um, of February making its Western debut. I should have written down the original year that this uh, arrived released in Japan but this is the old school like the game that's set in old school Japan um, but you still have Kazuma Kiryu and uh, Majima and all the characters that are in Yakuza but in like like reimagined kind of thing. It was always the coolest looking game um, to a Yakuza fan like me um, but it's never been out in the West before so um, I'm really looking forward to that. In fact, I wrote it down as Yakuza Ishin. It's not. It's like a Dragon because yes. they're renaming it this year. Um, or bringing its uh, eastern origins across to the west. Um, thoughts on the old... IP. I think this looks sick, right? It I, does. I,
3: I'm a Yakuza fan in theory or yes. a Like a Dragon fan yes. in theory. I've never played any of the games, but I love the fact that they exist. I love <laughs> the way people talk to me about them. I love the amount of fun that people get out of them. And I love knowing it by osmosis. I know yes. knowing what the characters look like. I know the gameplay styles, mm-hmm. the kind of wackier side missions. And looking at the gameplay for this, I think this looks like it absolutely rules as mm-hmm. well. Like The setting looks awesome. The combat looks really slick. I, I want to say that I will play it, but I I also said that about Yakuza 6 and Yakuza <laughs> 0 and uh, Yakuza 7, Like a Dragon. I yeah. think that was what it was called. You got a um, lot of... If you, and Judgment
2: and Judgment 2, oh so... My God. Well, see, so you occasionally do a bit of the old bubbling where you sort of bubble in a certain IP and surround yourself by certain things and only play those things for a bit. If you ever did a Yakuza bubble, I feel like, or a Like a Dragon bubble, that would be about 300 hours of game Yeah, right. Ish.
3: And that's kind of... The, the reason I don't get into this series <clears throat> is a slightly less intense version of why I don't get into the Persona series that I'm sure oh. they are Oh my great. God, they're all coming out. Carry on. Yeah, but they're all coming out and they're all so long, Scott Tilford, all part <laughs> of such a long running series. And each game in terms of like a dragon is like what, 40 hours long or whatever. Yeah. In terms of Persona, you're looking at 100 hours plus or 70 hours. Oh and God. it's just... At this point in the franchise, it feels like such an intimidating thing to jump into that mm. I always, I really want to, and I, I, I'm I, sincere when I say that, and genuine, it's yes. just so hard to find that entry point, and because this seems so different, maybe uh-huh. this is going to be the one.
2: I, I, will, I will take a minute, one, to say that the Persona collection of um, 3, 4, and, uh, uh, yeah, 2, 3, and 4 are out on January 19th, um, and also, if you want an entry point to the Persona franchise, just play Persona 4. Um, Five is very good. Five gorgeous, but I think that the actual story pull of four is far better. And um, this like murder mystery, like what the hell's going on in this tiny town, um, and where, like, why are bodies turning up on top of um, telephone poles, and what's going on? That is incredible. Persona mm-hmm. Four is the one that you want, and that game is finally out on modern consoles on the nineteenth of January. Um, so that was Yakuza Issue, and that's on the twenty first of Feb. Also on the twenty first <laughs> of February, just to sabotage the sales entirely, are, is Atomic Heart, um, <sighs> the game that kind of feels like another Bioshock or another um, Singularity style game for the for the people at the back um, because um, this is a game that's been delayed a hell of a lot it's kind of like it's got this whole sort of idea of almost like a I don't know like steampunky cyberpunky thing of like yeah. various mechs that you need to take on with all these different sort of almost telekinetic powers I've seen a tiny gameplay clip of um, like a physics based clip of throwing a mech through a brick wall and I was like that looks really cool and physicsy that was pretty much all I needed to get in to be honest so yeah. I'm, I'm psyched but I know very little about it other than that
3: I'm I'm worried that this game which has a lot of <laughs> promise is going to make a better trailer than a game. And it's not because, you know, I doubt the potential of the concept. Mm. It's that what you mentioned there, you know, it's had so many delays. It's had so many reports about, you know, how difficult the development has been. Mm. In fact, I think the developers themselves released a statement just a few days ago, oh, yeah, yeah. Not last week, you know, talking about some of the issues that they've had in the run-up to it. And I just I just wonder whether they can pull it off. I'm not entirely mm. sure. I Again, I hope they do because I think the potential is there for the concept. Mm-hmm. I'm realizing as we're doing this podcast that a lot of the games this year have a lot of potential, but for me only a few are kind of properly banged on. Right. I think that's going to be amazing and you know I hope, this is another one where I hope it's as good as it looks <laughs> but will it be Scott? I don't know. I feel, I feel so jaded by looking at video game trailers and well, getting excited for them that I just I feel the worst of these days.
2: That's the thing my my default setting ironically for a games person is that I just I just have to remove all expectations because I've been burned too much even close to protocol only reinforced like stop caring about what's the thing that Homer Simpson says to Bart is like don't care about anything. Yeah, and It's just like I'm it's like yeah okay, and um, but yeah I have had the same thing. I feel like a, a healthy amount of um, skepticism is almost is almost is healthy in itself in gaming, and um, because so many different things can be misrep- misrepresented in trailers, um, or just release broken or whatever. Even Sports Story on Switch randomly, my brain served that up as the sequel to a uh, Golf Story a little indie game. Yeah, everyone's looking forward to it. Sports Story completely broken on Switch. Good. Um, just a lot of anticipation, a lot of people uh, very upset about that. Anyway, um, so we got Atomic Heart and Yakuza Ishin both on. I keep calling it Yakuza like a dragon. There on the 21st up. of February and then Josh Brown's best day of the year yes it's the PlayStation VR 2 oh baby oh baby on the 22nd of February now only a couple of games we've written down as notable things Horizon Call of the Mountain and I put in FantaVision 2020X <laughs> the remake of FantaVision uh, or the sequel to FantaVision from like 2000 yeah uh, back in the day but take it away for the PSVR 2
3: Scott Telford <laughs> there are a few things that get me genuinely excited rubbery. like I am dreaming of this thing that's about to happen in my life these days and the PSVR 2 absolutely is one of them Mm -hmm. like that coming out the end of February I cannot believe it's so soon and I cannot wait to actually have it in my arms. I worry, though, that it's going to become an Elden Ring situation where that is the only thing (laughs) that I talk about or play about for like one or two months Yes, because there's so many games that I want to try out with it that either launch titles or coming out around it. And admittedly, a lot of those games are kind of like remasters and re-releases of things that were on the original PSVR, but just weren't that great. Mm. Like Beat Saber, Right. Everyone says how good that is. And I do think that was out on PSVR 1.
2: There's a version of it, yeah. But the
3: unreliability of the move controllers with games like that just made the experience not that great. Totally. But with the increased technological advancements and the more hopefully um, accurate tracking of the new controllers, games like that will finally be unlocked to a novice like me. You know, I want to play Beat (laughs) Saber. I want to play Pistol Whip. I want to, you know, play The Walking Dead Saints and Sinners 2. I want to go and play Resident Evil 8 Village in (laughs) VR. This is... I'm going to just... Everyone is going to be so annoyed with me because I won't (laughs) stop talking about this piece of kit, even if it's bad, you know, because I'll I'll be disappointed to an extreme level. But I don't think it will be. All of the reports that Mm. I've been reading from Sony's uh, CES event the other day seem to be really positive. Mm. Like the tech that's in the kit looks really good. The games that are coming out with it look exciting. That Horizon Call of the Mountain looks like, like the best... Thing ever made maybe <laughs> um, and I can't wait to He's have, on the hype train I'm on the hype train fully and I hopefully by the time we get to the end of this year and we're doing the top 10 games of the year a lot of them will be PSVR 2 titles I
2: I'm ready for the year of VR yeah. I've been waiting for it for a long time and I have a Playstation VR which I got for No Man's Sky because I'm ill but at the same time um, looking at the gameplay footage for Horizon Call of the Mountain and how responsive that stuff is the fidelity is obviously way better um, in terms of obviously the visuals and everything but in terms of just like clearly watching someone play and realizing just how many, even finger dexterity it's bringing into the virtual world. That stuff is very, very promising. Bring out a Spider-Man game in PlayStation VR. That's yes. literally the the one thing you need to make PS, to make VR work. Um, Because Oculus has obviously had a bunch of different versions and hardware models and everything. But I still don't feel like the average person has a PlayStation, has a VR headset whatsoever, let alone a PlayStation one. If they just do Spider-Man VR, it's done, it's over. Like just do that thing. Um, so I'm kind of waiting for something that really grabs my um, attention or takes my takes my attention? holds my attention, gets me watching in that direction. um, Because I feel like the potential is definitely there. And I feel like the original PlayStation VR was like this weird napkin sketch that you show to a tech guy. And it's like, can we do this? And it's like, look, I've taped some stuff together um, to prove that it can be done. And eventually this is the one that they're actually going to do. Um, because that original one might as well have had toilet rolls stapled to it for the usability of it.
3: Absolutely, and that's why I'm so looking forward to this because it it really was a hobbled-together proof of concept. And it did sell (laughs) quite well for Sony, but it was almost immediately obsolete. Like There were still good games that came out for it as the lifespan wore on. Like Mm -hmm. I played Walking Dead, Sins and Sinners Mm. very late in 2019 or whenever it was, and it was still a great... um, it was still great proof that the PSVR one was relevant. Yeah. But I was looking at what the competitors were getting. I was mm-hmm. looking at the likes of Half Life Alex and thinking this kit is now incredibly rudimentary and hopefully totally. this is a big step up, and more importantly, hopefully it does kind of set the foundation for years to come mm. where it won't feel like it's instantly left behind by the competition and that the competition is getting better games or more frequent games or whatever. Who knows if I'll be playing the PSVR 2 in 2023, uh, 2024, Scott Telford, mm. but I will be hopefully having a good year with it, and that's you know I, think you'll have a of I time. can ask for. Because interestingly, and I don't know if you'll agree with me okay. by this, the next gen, let's call it, the PS5, the Xbox Series X era, that feels like it's just getting going. I think even with the remasters and the remakes and the re-releases coming to PSVR Mm 2, that will more immediately feel like a next-gen or a new experience. Right. Like or the actual new starting point. The actual yeah. new starting point. I feel like that might hit the ground running more than the actual machines that we're playing mm. right now have. Maybe not, but it kind of feels like it. It's getting me excited in the way that a next-gen upgrade
2: would, and that's... I would back that. Good. I kind of wish they didn't call it PSVR too. I kind of wish they just called it PSVR... Something else, Horizon, I don't care. Like, right. some, some, like, because you got Oculus Quest, like, and that, I feel like that's in a way it's more marketable because it's, it doesn't have that tag on thing that the, the original iPads used to have, where it's just that feeling of like, well, why did I even buy into this? This is the definitive one. Um, I, if you call it, the, if you give it the, the two name. Um, but yeah, I'm curious how this goes. My thing with VR overall as a medium, as a, a way to interact with stuff is I'm waiting for gameplay mechanics or immersive experiences that feel entirely unique to VR. I need things that I, that a, that a controller fundamentally can't replicate. I don't know what they are but I, I'm curious to, to see what people come up with because Call of the Mountains seems promising yeah. but it also looks so much like a Disney on rails like theme park ride yes. and that puts me right off like it's really on rails, it's really quippy and I'm just like oh my god this style of writing is already horrible but still.
3: I think the difference between people who enjoy VR and people who just play regular games is that people who play VR are sick because <laughs> like, a game could just be the bare minimum in terms of mechanics but I know that Call of the Mountain, you can put your hand in the water off a boat okay. and cause ripples in the water. <laughs>
2: and ultimately... I did that in Halo 2. Yeah,
3: yeah, but about you doing it with your real hands, Scott Tillman, what I, I mean. can go to a lake right? outside. Well, this is the thing. I can't. I don't have a car. <laughs> it would take me ages to get to a lake. You know what I mean? And, we live right next to a river. And even if I... I'm not putting my hand in the tine. If you want some water, I would. I was water right there in that bowl. Become a radioactive <laughs> monstrosity Your if I story. touched even a toe in that. you know not wrong. my friend. There's bodies in there. Uh, but what I was mentioning there was like that level of interactivity. I think you're either wowed by it. Or you're just like, I can put my hand in some fake water. What's the point? Like, <laughs> and it's it, to me, it is the kind of minutiae of the gameplay rather than new gameplay mechanics that I revel in. It's being able to reload a gun and the stress that comes from that. Mm. If there are zombies coming towards me, I'm out of ammo and I'm fumbling around in my character's backpack for either another weapon or a new magazine. Right, right. To me, it's that kind of like moment-to-moment level of immersion that I love from VR. So I'm not here necessarily in a... I think it's totally valid to want, you know, like a a great story Mm. or a, you know, new mechanic, something you fundamentally can't do, but it's, to me, it's 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 small details that matter. In the small details that wow me, ultimately.
2: That's an essential perspective. I didn't even think of it that way. Like it, I always just take like I'm always and in regular games too. Hence my constant yammering on about end, like all the extraneous detail that's in Red Dead Redemption Two, Last of Us, God of War, whatever. I'm always like, okay, but what am I actually interacting with? Like I don't. Care. We always put it down to the ear cartilage in Uncharted or Red Dead because yeah. I just don't. Who care? I don't care. So like that whole thing of if you extrapolate that out into VR, it is more interesting that you can like fundamentally interact with the space in a whole way that you couldn't before. Um, but ultimately, that I'm not going to do that more than once. Like, I'm just going to, it needs to factor into a mechanic or, a, I guess, a feeling or something. Maybe if you did a, a PSVR or, like, a VR version in general of something like Season, where I'm actually exploring these spaces in almost, like, uh, semi-reality, and I'm clicking the buttons on the tape recorder in, and I'm holding it out and recording stuff, then that would get me in, in a way. Um, but yeah, I'm very curious about PlayStation VR, too. And I think, I think a lot of people are. I think it's a very, like, watch this space kind of thing. And I'm very curious about the way that they have rolled it out. Because so far, it's been a couple of PlayStation blog updates. And then they had the CES stuff uh, or whatever that was, the very recent presentation... Um, where it felt like their new, um, the new controller got more like showing for everyone else rather yeah. than like PlayStation VR. And it just feels like in general, they could do a better job of showing what it can do. But I think they want it to be subtly impressive and they kind of want it to build its own steam and just sort of be like a shadow drop of an album almost where it's like word of mouth gets it going. Instead. That's it,
3: right. On the one hand, it does sound like classic Sony to just put out a few blog posts and then go, there you go, that's that's the thing mm. that's out now. Uh, hopefully it'll market itself. But at the same time, we were talking, we were talking before recording. You were mm. talking about like looking at the Call of the Mountain footage and I don't really, when I get VR games, I don't actually look at the footage because I, for as good as they've got at translating what VR looks like and putting it in gameplay trailers to try and reflect the experience, Mm. it just never does like, you can look at something and think it looks like the most boring set of mechanics, most boring (laughs) environments in the world, but when you get the headset on and you're in there, it's completely transformative so it's not even, they just can't the, it's impossible to get it one-to-one. Like, I couldn't look really at a, at a trailer for a VR game and get excited. I can mm. look at people's oh, I agree with that, yeah. reactions to it, which I have been doing for Call of the Wild, like I said, Call of the Mountain, sorry. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that, to me, is more exciting to see to hear what people are saying about it rather mm. than look at it visually, because I just think it's impossible to market VR that way because you have no idea unless you've tried it yourself.
2: Definitely, which is which has been VR's biggest hurdle like for however long VR headsets have been a thing. The last five, six years, however long it's been. Yeah, maybe a bit longer, was you it know. VR 2 in twenty seven, VR 1 in 2017, I, I think. I think it was 16, just right, before, right. yeah. Yeah, so it's been a little while. Um, but yeah, we'll see. That's in February, which is kind of crazy. Just amongst all these other games are, is another attempt at establishing a medium in the mainstream again. Um, so that's at the end of February. Um, February ends on, um, or the 24th of February rather, ends with Octopath Traveler 2 and Kirby Dreamland Deluxe. That's a Scott a re- double bill if I ever heard one. I'd have been too much time on this. Um, but yeah, Octopath Traveler, another game in the 2D HD uh, model, kind of like um, Octopath Traveler 1, kind of like uh, Live Alive that came out last year, which is incredible, by the way. Yeah. Um, I traded Crystal Protocol in for that. Um, <laughs> Live Alive's got a really, really great demo if you just want to play. I think it's two or three of the story sections. Um, but yeah, Live Alive is a, a gorgeous little game about, it's like eight different characters across all of human history and into the future loads of little stories and they all connect towards the end um, I think that's a really cool idea but if you like that approach to um, presenting sort of pixel art for sprites and characters uh, with a 3D world, um, that's what Octopath Traveler like sort of debuted to everybody, the HD 2D design, which I absolutely love that stuff I forget if it's HD 2D or 2D HD <laughs> but it's one of them, um, and I really like that I kind of wish they would remake Final Fantasy 6 and the older Final Fantasies in that model uh, rather than just the pixel remasters, which is another thing that's coming, yeah. Um, Kirby's Dream Land uh, Deluxe is a remake of Kirby's Dreamland. Land. Um, the, what, I think the original Kirby game, they're doing something. Um, just to, uh, Kirby feels like he's filling the slots that Mario would have because we had two Kirby games last year. We had the um, Dream Course or whatever it was called, their sort of um, Fall Guys rip-off thing, uh, and obviously Kirby in the Forgotten Land. Um, I'm all for more Kirby. I think oh, yeah, you, you think he's a little freak.
3: I do, unfortunately. You're going to get his little Dream Course I'm, thing? I'm, dream not, I'm not dusting off that Switch until uh, Zelda comes out, unfortunately. What? Maybe if like they release a Switch two and Kirby is the launch game for that. Oh. I would play a Kirby game. A Hyper Deluxe
2: 4K. Yeah. Oh, or if he could eat stuff and all the physics broke apart as he ate everything. That's right. I might be into that.
3: If, if I mean, They've probably done this, but if they, you know, put Kirby in a in a Matrix Awakens <laughs> Unreal Engine 5 style world. <laughs> all
2: was, his little fur.
3: Yeah, and he was just he like, fur? well, I don't
2: know. Is he like a flesh blob?
3: It's, it's, no one's ever
2: really made him real. I
3: don't really. Well, no, in my dreams, yes, he wouldn't be real. Right. He would be the only thing. Like in the Muppets where you have like one person <laughs> Person who's real and everyone else's office. Yes, yes. He would be like you know. Himself Mm. and he would be in this hyper detailed (laughs) world and he would be like, you know, demolishing these photorealistic benches. Oh, God. Street lamps. If
2: I think of him as actually eating stuff, it does freak me out because in uh, Kibbe and the Forgotten Land, when you eat like vending machines and cars and stuff, and that was the first time, as far as I know, he's ever like stretched over another geometric shape and it looked weird. It was like skin flaps of his mouth in between parts of an object. And I'm like, he's never, we never thought about this before. This is weird. I
3: think I've just hit. Thank you for being my therapist. And just hit
2: the nail of, of why Kirby freaks
3: me out. <laughs> and it's because when I was young, skin flaps, yeah, Kirby. Yes, skin flaps. one hundred percent. I used to be so scared of anacondas after watching the John Voight movie Anaconda, right? Uh, and I was always haunted yeah. by the image of like a snake, uh-huh. but it, specifically an anaconda, like eating something, and you being able to see the outline of it in its stomach. Totally. And I think Kirby triggers something in my brain that relates to that fear of being when I was a kid. So he can get in the bin because that's (laughs) unnatural and snake-like. In his defense, he does spit out the big
2: things. He He only eats the enemies.
3: So do anacondas, but when anacondas spit it out, they're like, the digested Kirby's
2: digestion. That's probably the name of it. Yeah, in the post-apocalypse. Um, so that's how February's going to go. March opens with Wolong Fallen Dynasty on the third of March. And um, there's a really, really great demo for Wolong if you want to get a taste of that game. Um, like sort of set in old school Ch- uh, China. I just go with the, the term old school because I don't know my dynasties and I clearly should. Yes. Um, but still, uh, Wolong Fallen Dynasty, feeling like a sort of um, China-based Dark Souls as just as a go-to description of that game. Have you seen much of this? I
3: was watching the the recent uh, trailer that they revealed. I think it was yes. the IGN first, like 10 minutes of gameplay or whatever. Um, and correct me if I'm wrong, this is the um, Ni- Team Ninja one, Yeah, like the right?
2: um, follow-up from Neo. Yes, and in,
3: yes. in that was the thing. When this was announced, I thought it looked really sick, but mm-hmm. watching the gameplay trailer, it still looked good, Yes, but it just looked like Neo, and Love it. that is fine because I really like Neo 2 mm-hmm. uh, especially, but... Like when they were game hates everyone. It does. It hates everyone. I was just seeing the character kind of like walk around these weirdly walled off forests, for Holy. instance, fighting these enemies. And it looked really good. I just thought it was going to be something more. It's such a Neo spiritual successor mm. that I was a little bit surprised by how familiar it looked and probably does feel. Oh, and how much they're kicking
2: themselves after Elden Ring. That's probably yeah.
3: it, right? Uh, that said, I really like Neo 2, so I might get this um, if the reviews are solid because I could go for that. I just, I wanted it to be a little bit... More and maybe it does have more, but from that taste, I was just like, Oh, this is practically a Neo 3.
2: <laughs> That's a really good way to put it because um, that demo is quite lengthy and uh, I played a good, like, decent chunk of it, but it is very corridored off. Like you have a couple of options in terms of where you want to go, but it is die here and do the same gauntlet of enemies over and over and over again, which was one thing that we didn't know we needed fixing, quote unquote, in Elden Ring, where it's like, if you're stuck here, go 50 other different places and then maybe come back. Um, Skull and Bones <laughs> is finally out on the 9th of March. How long have you been? Waiting for that game five years, six years,
3: maybe even longer, Scott. Maybe Good lord, even longer. I, I think I threw this on the list because yes. I just, I just can't believe that it's actually coming out. Mm. And I don't think maybe it's going to be like an Avatar situation <laughs> where you know it makes like two billion dollars, but mm-hmm. I, I, I doubt it. You know, the reports were that it was allegedly you know only completed because there was a contractual obligation for it to be completed Mm -hmm. in place Uh, and that's how it feels like it feels like it's had no marketing like even when i was looking at the lists the list of what's coming out this year i couldn't believe that that was relatively soon because
4: many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out my solution is plush care Still
3: feels like it's in that limbo of being. You know, delayed constantly, and we got a bit of a look at it last year. But this that is that most a game recent for me. trailer as well. I just think it's funny,
2: yeah. Well, that most recent gameplay thing they did where they were like, and we've added all this monetization to it, all this crafting. I was like, okay, all this bloat that I don't need cool. in my life. Um, looking up um, the game's development, and um, the thing is, it's been in development since 2013. It was in, initially a spin off from Assassin's Creed back when AC3 and then 4 did all the ship combat, um, and then we got the first look at it at E3 2017. So it has it, this is its sixth year. Um, I will say though, right rather than just prodded it, because I do think it represents a lot of the worst things in the industry, especially in terms of the crafting mechanics, just hashtag crafting mechanics everywhere. Um, Anyone who's been on that project since 2013, a massive, unbelievable, endless praise to them for getting it over the finish line, um, hopefully in March. Um, Yeah, Skull & Bones is one of those games that there's no way that'll make its budget back. There's absolutely no way um, that it can actually... Be worth ten years of someone's life to make that, but to still put the time in um, is worth highlighting. Um, Star Wars Jedi Survivor is in the middle of March on the seventeenth of March. Yeah, um, I had this down as one of my most anticipated games of the year, just because I had a bit of a Star Wars binge over the holiday, um, and I was watching Andor, and that—that's phenomenal, by the way. Andor's like the best Star Wars thing in a long time. I forgot what it was like to actually care about Star Wars, probably <laughs> since like Rogue One uh, for me. Um, but yeah, what do you think of the old Jedi Survivor?
3: Yeah, I was—you know what? Truthfully, I was more excited for this before I saw the gameplay trailer. Ooh. That they re- released right okay because I, I really enjoyed the first one. I really loved the story in the setting mm. of the first game, so I'm really excited to see these characters return. I think it's been five years in the interim between the games yes. in game time, and um, I'm excited to see how the narrative has developed. But when I looked at the gameplay, I was just ah, there was it, it looks very iterative, which is to be expected.
2: I might use the word clunky.
3: And it does look a little bit clunky. You know, I revisited the original myself this year when I was on my Dark Souls binge, funnily enough, Mm because I was like, what's something Dark Souls adjacent (laughs) that I can play now I've exhausted everything else? And I still had a good time, but I didn't actually finish it. And that's very rare for me to go back to a game and just kind of play a couple hours and then call it a day. But Mm -hmm. it did have that level of clunk that I didn't really remember. And watching the gameplay trailer, Mm -hmm. it felt like that level of, Clunk or kind of (laughs) ratchet and clunk. Ratchet and clunk uh, was was still a little bit there. Mm. I'm still excited for it, but I want this to be. I'm pretty confident that it will be at the at least Mm. an eight out of ten game. Yes. but I really want this to be a step up and to hit like a 9 out of 10 for it to be the next level version of what the original promised. Yes. I hope so.
2: Well the thing is I feel like it, it's interesting watching the trailer for Jedi Survivor because they show off a lot more combos and like a lot more like playing with the enemies like if, if, if there's a bit where three uh, three, three stormtroopers fire at Cal and he like ostensibly freezes time, grabs one of them and puts them in front of their own bullet, in front of their own laser blast, which is a very dishonored thing to do uh, mm. in the game Dishonored. And I like that idea of like playing with enemies and everything. However, I I feel like this game it has a bit of a clash of exactly what are you going for. And I think the clunkiness kind of comes from it's still a Soulsian model at heart. It's still about animation priority and where are you standing in the battlefield and are you evading properly and are you considering all these enemies? And I feel like at the end of Jedi um, Jedi Fallen Order, that was when it, it I love the end of that game because you finally had enough powers and enough enemies coming at you that you could experiment with them, but it capped off that pace of it being quite a slow build and you were waiting to get like more than sort of two powers for most of that game. And now that they've unleashed everything, it's still in that it's still trying to find that balance. Between, like, we want you to feel confident, but we also want to have that challenge because we still have that kind of soulsian feel to it. And I wonder yeah. whether you're still going to be, um, you know, going to the camp. Uh, you, you do that whole thing where you meditate and respawn enemies, which I think they explained it as he's uh, mentally projecting what he's going to do right. throughout the entire level. And then only when you actually finish the level was that his actual successful run through that thing. So I was like, okay, guys, you, it's a souls game. Like, <laughs> you've got your bonfire. Um, uh, but I still think that for uh, Jedi Survivor, Um, yeah I'm curious what else they do to the feel of it or whether it just feels like the last level of Fallen Order but kind of like a stretched out kind of thing.
3: Yeah but at the end of Fallen Order as well like you said you know you had so many options you had like three different style of lightsaber that you Mm. could wield you know you had all of these powers you had all of these abilities that Mm -hmm. you could you know um, implement in the gameplay and that was for me I know that's when it just kind of like got really good for you it was a little bit overwhelming for me because I'd already by that point established such firm tactics Mm. that I would actually have to unlearn the optimum way to get through <laughs> levels just to try out new things. Right, and I and I hope that this new game, with its combat encounters, does encourage you to try out. Like I said, mm. you know whether you're best off using just the single lightsaber or the dual wielded lightsabers, or using this power or this power, mm-hmm. in really giving you exciting encounters that demand you to think and not just kind of, like I say, use the optimum. Mm. Um, uh, what would you call it? Optimum path. path method. Method. Uh, approach. Headspace. To, headspace yeah. to every combat encounter. And if they manage to nail that, that would be awesome. So. I think,
2: yeah, they need more. I, the thing that I... Everyone learns a lot of things from Assassin's Creed, but no one's really done the thing in a mass market game that Assassin's Creed 2 did, where every enemy had a, needed a different approach. And it's not that it, I needed to be as arbitrary as a heavy or a fast-moving guy or whatever, but I think there's so much more you can do with that combat chest thing. I guess Doom kind of does it. Doom Eternal especially doubles down on it. But I would love that in Star Wars. And I think they need to do it well, where you're maximizing deflections, or uh, blaster bolt deflections, or maybe there's like a window where some dude does a ranged attack, and then you do your deflect... Or whatever, just make me think more than yeah. just grab a guy with telekinetic powers and stab him over and over again. Not that that isn't fun. It's fun. But I want to work up to it sometimes.
3: Yeah, 100%. And honestly, what I want to see as well, if if they're just like, you know, being inspired by Soul style games, yeah. give me the parry system from Sekiro and give Ooh. me way more lightsaber battles. Yes. And give me like those Sekiro-style oh, yeah. one-on-ones where you are trying to deflect incoming lightsaber hits. Totally. And then you're trying to attack and break down their guard and stuff like that.
2: Please give you me had that. that. I forget the name of the character now, but you had that towards the end in one of the final bosses. Yeah. Um, but still, it was like it was like deflect, look for an opening. They're doing a they're doing a glowing red attack. I best dodge out the way then. And it's like, yeah, I want more stuff where I can actually hang in that pocket of like of, of going back and forward. And um, so yeah, that's out on the seventeenth um, of March, uh, Star Wars Jedi Survivor and um, Bayonetta Origins. We wrote down for the Switch also on the seventeenth. This is a very different Bayonetta game. It's more like a um, it almost looks like a Child of Light kind of art style, and it's like an isometric top down thing. And um, just sh- assumedly showing. Bayonetta's origins, um, but I feel like other than you know Bayonetta three, as much as I love it, it doesn't run that well on the Switch, and I right. feel like they've kind of just gone okay, let's just try something else and try and expand the IP a little bit um, and just see how that goes down. I don't have many thoughts on Bayonetta Origins, other than uh, I'm curious what the combat feels like. It looks like it's smooth and nice and fine. It's not what I want from a Bayonetta game because mm. um, I also just want more over the top action games in general um, that aren't specifically the Devil May Cry model. Like I, I want someone, someone needs to do something else. Other than Souls Model or Devil May Cry Model, like it's like they're the only two ways we do third person action right now, and I feel like there's other things you can do. Um, any quick thoughts on the old Bayonetta?
3: Um, it's it sounds like an interesting concept. Mm. I'm not a Bayonetta fan, not out of choice, just haven't right. played any of the games. But I'm I want to get back to Bayonetta Three. That's yes. one of the games that I'm not leaving behind in okay. 2022. Hopefully, <laughs> I will also dust off the Switch to play that as well because mm-hmm. that looked really interesting. Got a lot of good reviews from yourself, yeah, uh, including. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yes, this sounds like an interesting change for the franchise. I just like that it's back. It seemed like for a while mm-hmm. Bayonetta 3 was this mythical idea, like mm-hmm. will it happen? Won't it happen? Will it be any good? So to get that and then to get this game, it's kind of like, yeah, this franchise is gonna stay around yeah. for a while. I
2: feel like yeah, I feel like Platinum need to do more with Bayonetta overall. Like for, for like you said, for a little while it was like Bayonetta two, she's we Wii, Wii U exclusive and then Bayonetta was in Smash Brothers, and then there was a huge gap where nothing really happened for a while. And then we got Bayonetta three in the announcement of Origins. Um March ends with Resident Evil four remake yes. on the twenty fourth Um, What do you think of the old RE4? I'm back and forward on it. Yes, yes,
3: yes, yes, (laughs) yes, yes. No, Scott, what can I say? Resident Evil 4, one of my favorite games of all time. Same. Resident Evil 4 2022. Potentially one of the games of the year that I'm looking forward to the most. Maybe. I I like what they have uh, changed. Mm-hmm. I like the new aesthetic. I like, you know, what they haven't changed. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think I just think it looks really good. It does look it looks, really good. I think it looks real good. I'm know? well
2: curious, because yeah. they've changed it. To, the main thing is, I'm not... The thing is, I bowled this... I don't know if I was on a podcast when I said this. I was like, oh, it's Resident Evil 4, a different time of day. <laughs> and uh, and it is, but, like, they've obviously done more to it. And I, I am so curious how the attempt of... Let's take the overall tone and vibe and energy of Resident Evil 2 remake and map that onto Resident Evil 4. And they've only really shown the opening bit, which is obviously the most iconic part of RE4, the whole village attack thing and and trying to survive as Leon. As far as I know, they've not shown the craziest stuff towards the end. They've not shown the turret sequences on the boat um, or whatever else you want to throw in because that game goes places, especially towards the end. Um, There was something from last week where, um, I forget who was being interviewed from Capcom, asking will the island part still be in there from the end because they're some of the most divisive parts. And they said, yes, everything is going to be in there. Um, but RE4 if you go back to it um, the original like the 2004 one has a lot of almost Metal Gear banda in it oh, yeah. like you've kind of got the codec in there anyway in terms of the way people talk to each other and even the way Leon does the very 2004 attempted flirting stuff which is very old school Solid Snake as well Um, I I assume all that stuff is made better by now. But overall, RE4 does have a campness to it. That was brilliant. I feel you can sort of, they should be kind of bringing some of that across unless they want it to be, you know, entirely reimagined.
3: I hope they do. You know, Mm. I I don't, on the one hand, I'm fine with them changing whatever. Mm-hmm. In fact, I actually encourage it with yes. Resident Evil 4 in particular. I want it to feel
2: distinct. Me distinct. too.
3: I'm not sure what the fan base thinks about that, mm-hmm. but in my opinion you can get great looking versions of the original Resident Evil 4 on like every platform. And even it VR. plays incredibly well, mm-hmm. even VR. And it still stands up, in my opinion, as one of the best action games of all time. Totally. It's readily available. It's not like Resident Evil 2 original was where it's like quite hard to get. Mm-hmm. Not many people have played it. It's it's ubiquitous. So when we getting this remake, I do want Capcom to go, okay, this is a reimagining. This mm. is, you know, we're using the core of it, but we're changing this, we're altering that, we're modernizing this. I'm totally fine with that because mm. the other game is so readily available, like I said. Mm. However, I would be sad if they got rid of that goofiness entirely, that the kind of <laughs> silliness, that over-the-topness, especially in the second half, because that's so such a definable part of Resident Evil 4. I and mean, while Resident Evil 4, the OG is scary, like it has that crack to it it has that Mm. band I do think (laughs) you know you've got to retain at least an element of that otherwise Mm -hmm. the game might just become a little bit
2: bland in the process there's a lot of the stuff that I always loved it for and it's why I don't mind RE5 and 6 like the more I I can go with that action stuff in sheer playability I think that Capcom's third person action is actually quite overlooked in terms of them being highlighted as a really great third person action dev because they're so associated with horror in in Resident Evil Um, but RE4 almost immediately because I went through this again last yeah, gives you the big red barrels and the guy standing next to them. Next yeah. to them. Like you know, It gives you the sniper rifle almost immediately. Like You have these big action things. You can do a suplex. You're running away, ba- bashing buttons away from El Gigante, this giant, literal giant who's running after you. There is a lot of stuff like that that I think we just kind of went with back in the day, um, that if your overall tone is more serious and contemplative and whatever, that stuff's going to be a bit jarring. But we'll see how it lands. RE2, like, for the most part, maintained the tone the whole way through. It was only really when you fought Birkin towards the end that it became like, now you're fighting a giant music over-the-top thing. Yeah. Um, and you had all the Ada Wong stuff as, like, a super spy and whatever. But, like, I'm curious how it's how it sits, how it feels. Um, and it's interesting as a comparison to Dead Space as well. Because in Dead Space, like we said before, you've got Isaac Clarke now has voice acting. They're changing it more meaningfully. Um, and RE4, assumingly, there's less you need to tweak because it's already held up as one of the best games of all time.
3: Yeah, 100%. So we'll see. And it's going to be interesting to see what they add into it in terms of, you know, there were some DLC uh, expansions for mm. the game, you know, like, separate ways where you get to play as Ada Wong... Like- like will all of that come in oh, yeah. as standard with the base game to kind of beef it up and expand mm. it a little bit? That would be really
2: cool. They got you better than the Resident Evil 3 remake. They certainly do. Which oh was, my lord. Well, which was the original
3: report, right? I think it was VGC who wrote it up a few years ago when this was in development. Mm. It was originally by the people who made Resident Evil 3 yep. but because that kind of like disappointed people and was too faithful to the source material in many ways, mm. Capcom kind of like got the Resident Evil 2 team in to kind of modernize it in the same way so that's what makes me excited for mm. this project that it is the people who made resi 2 which was such a confident game Mm -hmm. so hopefully they can do the same for this and uh
2: That's a curious thing. Yeah, because like RE3 remake was way too short. It felt like, for me, it felt like DLC. It felt like you could have just charged 15 pounds and I would have just added that on to a Resident Evil 2 thing. Whereas RE4, like if it had a change of developer, it almost points to the fact that we didn't need to remake RE4 and it was just going to be another RE3 almost cash in thing. And then they went, oh dear God, everyone's going to freak out if we do this. So let's give it to someone else and just bulk it out. It's like, okay, what did you guys bulk it out with? Um, Maybe you just remake more of the game or something um, and uh, flesh out some of those areas and stuff. Um, So that's March. April. April, um, so, so the next three months, uh, sorry, four months, um, only have a couple of games uh, locked in for right now and then we'll get to all the to-be uh, confirmed stuff. Um, April, uh, in the middle of April on the 14th is Mega Man Battle Network. I'm not spending too long on that. I literally just put it down because it's a turn-based Mega Man game. Turn-based anything I'm going to play because um, I love that stuff. Um, and it's just a, a strategy sort of a uh, take on Mega Man. I think the Battle Network games have been out for a while but this is the first time it's going to make its way to switch. Um, and April ends, unless you have any thoughts on Mega Man. I not,
3: don't the have old, a The old thought, Battle, battle Brown over there. I said, Certainly am. Yep. Turn based. Mega Man. Battle Net.
2: Make What's him. That's the, that's your perfect game. Better alien to me yeah. entirely. <laughs> um, and then uh, April ends on the 28th with Dead Island 2, another game that's been in development for longer than we've worked together. Been alive, maybe, maybe. <laughs> been on this earth um, a long, long time. Uh, Dead Island 2's overall vibe after the most recent trailer seems to be giving into a, 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 giving into a more over the top mentality entirely. It's a guy just relaxing in his ab- apartment, trying to watch TV, and there's just zombies clung at the window outside, which, I mean, for me zombies are ironically dead yeah. to me. Just I just don't, I can't care about the zombie stuff again.
3: And it is very funny, I think, the, the tone that they're going for this game. Not a bad tone by mm. any means, but in contrast to like that iconic trailer for the original Dead Island with, you know, the, yes. the, the, the girl falling out the window, the family getting attacked mm. by zombies. It's like, we're so far removed from that now totally. that we are just doing wacky zombie stuff. And we've had a lot of wacky zombie stuff over the past few years mm-hmm. and I can kind of take or leave it, but dead Island 1 was a big guilty pleasure. I loved the oh, okay. light a lot as well. Mm-hmm. Dying Light 2 was slightly disappointing, so hopefully if this kind of scratches that zombie itch mm. um, I will get it at a discount unless it's like, you know, getting 10 out of 10s and 9 out of 10s <laughs> and I'll buy it at launch, <laughs> but this very much already feels like a game that I'm going to probably enjoy, mm. but enjoy around October or November. <laughs> you know, get to it late.
2: Yeah, it's, it's an interesting uh, point because I didn't play Dying Light 2 last year. I was debating mopping that up as the year came to a close, but it was like it's got like 400 hours of filler, like yeah. they literally got out there and kind of said that, so I was like, Okay, cool, whatever. And then yeah, Dead Island Two. Um, it's been through so many different devs, so many different kind of soft reboots, attempts at restarting development and whatever. But we're finally getting that in April. Um, so that's all that's down for April at the minute. May is The Legend of Zelda: Tears of the Kingdom on the 12th, um, which is obviously the most anticipated Zelda in quite some time. The first time they've done a sequel Zelda oh, yeah. since um, well on console since Majora's Mask. They did like the um, Spirit Tracks and they did the Phantom Hourglass stuff, whatever on the handhelds. Um, but yeah, this is the first time they've gone back to a like a main sort of area and done it again and that's the thing that actually weirdly makes me I'm not worried but it, it, it caps my excitement because we have I've already spent over 100 hours in that version of Hyrule um, and the gameplay that they've put out has been very very sparse um, which I always thought was because they were waiting to announce a new Switch but we um, covered it last week that they're actually doing the new Switch assumedly next year and they don't have any plans for one this year and the Switch OLED uh, the Tears of the Kingdom version already leaked anyway so this is going to be on a regular Switch hardware and I wonder whether they're just not showing that because they're mm. just they need to get it locked down yeah. and the game has mm-hmm. a lot of um, streaming assets, level of detail stuff based on distance and whatever because you're flying a lot, you're taking to the skies a lot um, and it just makes me curious what that game is, how much more of, how much of the original 2017 Hyrule are we playing again um, and how much have you actually built for this? Um, because sequel Zeldas, I, like a lot of people love Majora's Mask, I really toned. I really didn't like Majora's at all, um, it just felt like a weird hack of Ocarina of Time, it was like we sort of swapped a bunch of the character models around and now you can play as a random character I was like nah I don't want this at all so, I'm curious what they do for Teaser of the Kingdom. I think this is getting delayed, Scott
3: Tilton. I don't think this <laughs> really? is coming
2: out in May. I don't think
3: it's coming out. I don't think it's getting delayed by a year or anything like that. But uh. I do think it's getting delayed to okay. the fall because I was in bed all comfy last night, yes. just drifting off to sleep, uh. thinking about this podcast, okay. thinking about the games we we're going to talk about. <laughs> and I would echo your sentiment that it's weird that we haven't had more mm. detail. We haven't had a bigger look at the game. Not that I think it's in trouble. I just, mm. it makes me believe that it's not coming anytime soon, mm-hmm. certainly not in the first half of the year. But if it does get delayed. I'm still incredibly excited for it because, let me tell you, I have been chasing the high that <laughs> Breath of the Wild gave me in 2017. Specifically, mm. Christmas 2017. Being back at my parents' house visiting, getting a Switch, getting uh, that game and absolutely loving oh. it. I've been trying to replicate that literally right. for five years. Every year, <laughs> I get a Switch game that disappoints me. I get Immortals Phoenix Rising, I get Metroid Dread. I love Phoenix and Rising. And I play an hour of each mm-hmm. because it's not Breath of the Wild. So, while I can see that many people might be, you know, maybe disappointed that it is a direct sequel, that we mm. might be playing, you know, large swaths of the map again. As long as it's good, all yeah. I want is Breath of the Wild 2. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's all I want out of this game. It's all I'm expecting. Yeah. Anything more is a bonus. As long as it replicates the feeling I had with the first game in that explorative drive that it gave me, I'm totally fine. I'm not yeah. a, you know, a diehard for the franchise again, just because I haven't played many of the titles, mm. but I know. The feeling that I wanted to evoke, and if it evokes it, it's a
2: ten out of ten masterpiece. <laughs> I'm so yeah, that's the thing. Like the powers that they have shown off, the whole like the whole like reason Breath of the Wild was such a unique thing, and one of the best games of all time, was because of all the elements and physics and the way everything interact with the, with each other. And it was like, oh, if you do set a piece of meat down on the ground like a crafting component, and then you like set the grass on fire next to it, you get like a cooked steak or whatever. It's like little things like that, or you can cut a tree down and uh, and camp under it and things like that. And I'm just like, I, yeah, that's the side of it that I hope they've like. Flexed fleshed out ad infinitum kind of thing. Um, because Breath of the Wild was such a, we talked about that shattered plate analogy before. It's like if you took a Zelda plate and smashed it, that's kind of what Breath of the Wild is. Yeah. However, it still worked. All those pieces still kind of hung together. Um, but it didn't have traditional dungeons and it didn't have traditional progression. It didn't have a traditional real feel if you compare it to other Zeldas. And so I am I wonder what they think Zelda is because they tried this big experiment with Breath of the Wild, which kind of ties into the original Zelda in terms of just pick a direction and go. Um, but still, if you're then going, like, okay, what lessons did we learn? And let's meaningfully iterate on this what do we do and they've kind of split the difference it's like well we're revisiting that high rule and we're going to build on that um, but this is also Zelda's new identity so like we'll kind of just see how that stuff kind of feels um, and how it performs that, my yeah. biggest thing is just how it performs um, and how much can you push the Switch hardware I still think Breath of the Wild looks gorgeous like I think that they went for a specific art style that actually aged really well it's not raw rendering tech it almost has a cel-shaded look sometimes um, and I kind of feel like if that's what you need to do to make this work and just never, you not even think about the performance that's completely fine. It's yeah. just the the switch is struggling these days.
3: Well, Scott, I think it's going to be fine for me personally mm. because I played almost all of Breath of the Wild like handheld. You did? In in I never got the experience <laughs> of like those big screen vistas <sighs> at all. Morales or or is less. so
2: good. Huge
3: amount like 95% of that map I've only seen on my tiny handheld screen. That's so insane. When it comes to the sequel, I'll be playing that bad boy on the television <laughs> docked. In in you know, even if it's a minor upgrade graphically, to me it's going to be you know huge crazy so that's fine for me but yeah I totally echo what you were saying about you know what makes Breath of the Wild so good is that interactivity Mm. in the world it's that even those shrines that you can go to while Mm. they do have specific ways that you're supposed to solve the puzzles you can kind of just you know like hobble together a solution and get through it and the game doesn't say no the game just allows you to do it and you kind of feel like either a genius or some kind of wind up merchant (laughs) because you've been able to cheat the system and get to the end of the Shrine and I and I love that, you know. Totally. It's, the, it's the only game ever that's got me invested in its cooking mechanics and right. you know Stuff like that, like right down to the nitty gritty. Systems that I would usually just ignore in other mm. games because I don't have to. I was engaging with here because it just felt so fun to be a part of the world, mm-hmm. to chop down a tree, to get to the other side of a you know a lake, to get a raft and get out. A Use a leaf, leaf and blow yourself along. And blow yourself <laughs> along. Stuff like that, you know. Breath of the Wild might not have the best quests, oh, it might God. not have even necessarily like the best story or set pieces, but it doesn't matter because like my, what I was talking about with the VR earlier on, mm has that level of immersion. It has that level of interactivity that yep. you just don't get from other open world games, even great open world games mm-hmm. like Elden Ring doesn't focus on that kind of stuff. Jolly. And I think for as many... Um, you know how many games Breath of the Wild has influenced. None have really taken those core tenets, with the exception of maybe Immortals: Phoenix Rising. Mm. When it comes to like, yeah, you can go anywhere, but can you interact with the levels with this amount of detail? I don't think you've necessarily. No,
2: played. Immortals was more about taking the <clears throat> the puzzle approach, the the, the shrine approach, uh, and every little thing is its own little tiny mini game. And then the combat encounters are really fun. I loved Immortals: Phoenix Rising, but it was very Ubisoft looking at Breath of the Wild and distilling it down to like the main beats, and then not really having maybe the dev time or whatever to do that elemental interaction stuff that took Breath of the Wild to the next level um, in terms of just letting you experiment with, like, what if I set this on fire? What if I use this? How can I, like, craft this? When you realize that you can just play golf in Breath of the Wild, it's like, (laughs) oh, I just found these holes and it recognizes if I put a ball in the hole. That's cool. Um, Yeah, I'm curious how that stuff goes. Also, you mentioned stories just super quickly. Um, In the trailer that they have put out, it seems like just for Zelda lore nerds like me, um, it seems like we're doing something about the origins of Ganon, which is really, really cool and very untapped uh, territory because um, it seems like the the weird like zombie spirit thing they find, which is underneath Hyrule Castle, mm. um, is this sort of corpse of Ganon or whatever, and there's always if you go in the Hyrule Historia, there's all these different things about what Ganon actually is and uh, and manifests in different ways and things like that. So I, uh, I'm very curious about um, all of that. I'm sure the more it comes into view, the more it starts getting shown off. As Even as we talked about it there, I was like, man, Breath of the Wild was good. Yeah. What a time that game was. Well, game what I'll go through game. that thing again like I said over 100 hours um, Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League is out two weeks after Zelda on the 26th of May um, and I have n- I nothing this game I have nothing for their stupid squad based shooty Arkham game thing I'm gonna make a prediction right go on now, and I'm gonna cannibalize
3: the same prediction when we do tomorrow's <laughs> podcast I think this is gonna be the sleeper hit of the year I think really gonna be the one that the likes of you and I write off because mm. you know like it's this four player shooty multiplayer thing mm. but I do trust rock steady and i do really like the world that they put together from what i've glimpsed at in the trailers so far right. i do like the writing i do like the setup of you know having to kill the justice league <laughs> i i do uh, like the approach that they seem to be taking where they're going to take risks and they're going to kill yeah. some people off and okay. they're going to take some bold swings and it's not going to be a safe story and i think hopefully i predict that will be the saving grace of it. That mm. will be the core of it. And if the passion is there, hopefully the gameplay follows suit. Hopefully it is more, um, feels like it has something more of a confident structure than Gotham Knights did, even though that game, you know, mm. did have its high points. I just, I think this is going to be the game we write off, and then we come around and say, "Wow, this is actually really good." I think,
2: yeah, I have faith in Rocksteady because they've done, they've pulled off miracles before, literally Arkham Asylum from nothing almost. Um, I have faith in them as a dev. I just, I don't you know, like that gameplay trailer where they showed the squad side of it. I just, I was like, if this is another squad game where you tell me it's single player, and then I go down because I've taken enough damage, and no one ever comes and saves me, and I have to watch my dude die in seconds, then I'm done. Like, I can't do another one of those games. So, if if it actually does work as a single player, like Gotham Knights did, or at least there's enough of it that you can get some fun out of it um, in single player, then maybe I'm back in. But it depends how far they go with that setup, like you said. Like, can you actually kill the characters? Um, And also, it's in the Arkham universe. So, it's like, are we... This is, the, this is Batman in the future or something. Yeah. So it's like a weird thing. But I think at the same time, the more time they've got since Arkham Knight, they've not really talked about that stuff. So maybe it is its own thing. Um, it's also worth throwing in... Actually, no, we'll throw this in uh, later on because it's one of those to-be-confirmed games. Um, so that's all we've got down for May. Uh, June is Street Fighter 6 on the, on the 2nd of uh, June. Street Fighter 6 is one of my most anticipated games. I'm, I was lucky enough to play it at EGX. Me and Jules did a little video on it, I think. Oh, we talked about it on the podcast. Um, but yeah, just the next main Street Fighter. It's been a hell of a long time since 2016 or 15 whenever Street Fighter 5 came out and that game released in an absolute abominable state. <laughs> uh, segmented they just had to get it out for the Capcom Invitational, their big esports tournament. So all they had in there was the versus mode uh, online they didn't even have a one-on-one offline versus. It was empty. It was, it was an empty filing cabinet of a game that slowly got filled out over time um, and it's very recommendable now but it's it's ter- it was terrible back then. Yeah. So um, I think Street Fighter 6 looks incredibly promising and I for one love the art style. I think some people were like, oh it's a bit too like graffiti and like I just didn't feel like Street Better. I'm all for the giant arcing like um bits of colour coming off people or the like inky graffiti art style. I love that stuff. I don't, oh my god!
3: But I do like the way that it looks in the combat itself. Yes. I don't like the logo necessarily. necessarily. The logo sucks. Yeah. out. That's a yeah.
2: horrible logo. <laughs> it yeah, is yeah, right. Oh my god! In
3: the overall aesthetic, like in the UI and whatnot, isn't for me. But in game, I do think like mm. the the fighting looks. You know, like you said, you know, it's it's energetic. It's colorful. Mm. It has those like really um, great flourishes, I suppose, that really accentuates the the weight of the of the fighting itself. Mm. I've never been a Street Fighters man just because I'm <laughs> very bad at those games. Games. I kind of wrap my head around the combat system itself. Right. Uh, so I, I will personally probably avoid this, apart from getting whooped by you in the office, no <laughs> doubt, a few times. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I don't have much to say about it because I'm, I'm bad at that franchise. This I'm might really
2: be the bad. one to, to get you in. I thought that when I played it, I loved how much they added things in, like a dedicated button to let you tank a hit as it comes in so you can counter, just absorb the hit and counter. Um, it's very easy to pull off your um, finishes. They've added a lot of auto combo stuff in. So they want they want it to be something you can just give to someone. Um, and just get them off the ground and have fun with it Um, Diablo 4 is out on the 6th of June it's only 4 days after Street Fighter 6 Um, I'm not a huge Diablo fan but a lot of people have been waiting for Diablo I mean 2012 for Diablo 3 Um, again that predates us even working at Watt Culture so that's kind of hilarious that it's taken that long Um, even though Diablo 3 was such a point in time and has remained incredibly popular and is one of those games of of a whole you know sort of legacy franchise where people just go to that one game and a lot of people love Diablo 2 but any quick thoughts on Diablo 4?
3: I'm not a Diablo diehard by any means but I loved Diablo 2 back Mm. in the day like one of the only PC games I have ever played and really loved you know I really enjoyed the aesthetic I really enjoyed the dungeon crawling so the fact that Diablo 4 is kind of evoking that style. It's Mm -hmm. darker, it's more menacing, it's grimier than Diablo 3 was. Mm -hmm. Uh, To me, that's actually made me intrigued. And this will be on my radar for sure. Hopefully it's good. Hopefully it is something that I would be interested in Mm -hmm. with that kind of knowledge of Diablo 2 in mind. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, while it's not like a must-play for the year, it's one that I'm watching. In the same way that I watch like keep an eye on wrestling, but don't actually Uh, watch it. You know what I mean? I'm just, I have a certain (laughs) connection to it from my past and I want it to succeed Uh and I'll I'll read about it and I'll watch other people play it, whether I'll jump at myself, I don't know
2: Have you seen Not to make this a wrestling podcast At all But have you seen Kenny Omega's entrance From Wrestle Kingdom 17 Hell no Oh my god Anyone who's listening to me And who likes Final Fantasy And especially Sephiroth Go watch Kenny Omega The literal greatest wrestler In the world Arrive at Ostensibly Japanese WrestleMania As Sephiroth With Square Enix Licensing the music for him It's unbelievable One of the best things I've seen
3: What's Final Fantasy?
2: It's this little game Little franchise It was meant to be the last one And then they did They did many 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 (laughs) more Um, So that is uh, June Uh, Sorry no it's not Speaking of Final Fantasy, Final Fantasy 16 is what ends June, is it? which is a lovely little segue. Um the 22nd of June is uh, what is currently penciled in as Final Fantasy 16's release day, um, which is something that I've been looking... I mean Final Fantasy 15 was 2016, so it's been a long time since the last main installment even though we've had Final Fantasy 7 remake and uh, Crisis Core. Um, we talked about 16 last week, I think. We did, we, we talked a little bit about um, Final Fantasy last week. Yeah, so I'll recommend last week's podcast. Go check that thing out. We're both excited for it. Um, I and especially I'm just I'm a huge Final Fantasy fan. I'm going back through Final Fantasy 6 right now because 16 seems like it's kind of channeling uh, six or nines uh, kind of saying um, and then July and August are both empty right now and um, there's a lot of like to be available to be confirmed games and um, which we're going to go into and so some of these might slot into July as we go forward and um, but there's a ton of to be confirmed stuff so we'll do the big ones and I've still got everything else to get to but we'll do the big ones and um, the biggest one I think is Spider-Man 2 yes, um, which is just uh, that's just a to be confirmed but assumedly is this year um, and they haven't shown that much off for it other than confirming that Peter Parker and Miles Morales are working together. Um, I'm curious how they handle that. I'm curious whether they give you like a dedicated, like a Miles button. Yeah. Or maybe you can hopefully pl- switch between them or do some combat kind of like Arkham Knight where you can maybe like, you know, set up for team moves and double ups and stuff. Um, I love Miles Morales and I prefer it to the actual Spider-Man game. I think that Miles Morales, the game, just flows better and just absolutely flies. So I'm uh, I'm up for playing as Miles more than uh, Peter.
3: Honestly, me too. Mm. It's not because I didn't love playing as Peter and love Peter's characterization in the original game. But right, right. playing Miles Morales... He- even though I probably do prefer the original game as a whole, like Miles Morales as a character and mm. as a playable character is awesome. I yeah. love the venom powers that he yes. has access to in that title. I just think they're so impactful, so colorful, so cool to pull off. that I do want more of that. And I hope we get a lot of character switching mm. in this game. I do have a prediction. I'm, no, I'm, I'm going to save it for tomorrow. <laughs> I'm saving it for tomorrow. I keep wasting <laughs> all my predictions. So I'm not going to make it now. We'll talk about Spider-Man 2 tomorrow. Okay. Because I've got a narrative thing about that. You but, say tomorrow, but
2: it'll be on Wednesday for everyone listening to this. But so. Yes, everyone will listening to this tomorrow.
3: on Wednesday. Yes, uh, but yeah, I want to see more character switching. Obviously, you know, Venom. I'm, I'm, I'm a sucker. No God, matter how old yet. I get, no matter how you know away from Spider-Man comics, I get like mm. the Venom story. The Venom character is always going to be for me. <laughs> um, Tony Todd voicing Venom is unbelievable of casting, incredible. And yeah, I love the idea of Miles and Peter, you know, teaming up to take down this villain. Obviously, mm. with a bunch of other villains, no doubt thrown in the mix. I want to how peter's relationship obviously expands going off the events of the um original game's mm-hmm. narrative you know how is that going to impact his life his relationship with miles his relationship with mj mm-hmm. um, and how is the city going to be reeling from you know what happened in that first game i just think it's it's the a, apocalypse at the end of that game the literal apocalypse i think the narrative potential is so good mm. and i think i briefly mentioned in last week's podcast that i hope this is kind of The leveling up for this franchise um, that I want to see because I love the games that Insomniac have made. Mm. Or rather, I like the games that Insomniac have made. Spider-Man's my favorite one of theirs, but I think they're so good at getting frequent releases out that are like really good Mm. 8 out of 10 titles. Mm -hmm. And I want this to be something better. I want this to kind of have that edge that a Last of Us or even a Ghost of Sushima kind of has mm. where it's elevated to that 9 out of 10 level. I know I'm very greedy and I've asked for both Star Wars <laughs> and Spider-Man to be 9 out of 10s but I just kind of want to see that with the sequel. I would take more of the same mm-hmm. but at this point with the DLC and with Miles Morales we've had more of the same. I want to True. see something new.
2: Yeah, uh, yeah, we'll talk about it more in uh, in the predictions podcast that's coming very soon Um, because yeah, I, I'm curious what they do for the story. I thought they rushed the Miles stuff by doing his own game, even though I loved that game. um, I teared up at that bit, because I have a whole thing about Peter Parker as a character growing up and and relating to him and everything else, but that whole bit at the end of the main game, where he... Uh, Miles needs to tell him something, and they both flip upside down to reveal to each other they both have powers, and he, he feels seen. It's always that thing with that character that makes me tear up. Um, same in, in Into the Spider Verse, uh, where he's just like, You're like me, and I'm just like, Oh my god, every time. Like, that just makes me uh, goosebump. Um, but still, uh, in terms of running stuff down for the biggest games that don't have release dates yet, the next one down is Starfield, oh. um, which is a huge game. I think this is very, very important. However, um, it conversely can also just be kind of sideswiped as a Game Pass game and whatever if they don't need it to be important, but what I mean is, I feel like this is the tip of the spear for the future of Xbox, and I feel like it needs to land um, for people like me to care about Xbox again, because I don't, I see what they're doing, and we've talked about it so much, about how much they've invested in Game Pass and structural changes for Xbox, but what games have you got? Yes, And this is the first game they've got, so I'm curious how it lands.
3: Me too, man, and I cannot believe that it's been eight years, nearly, (laughs) since (laughs) Fallout 4 came out, like that's how long it's been since we've had a single player Bethesda game, obviously we had Fallout 7 Six in there, but in a classic Bethesda game, mm. nearly eight years, and we don't know when this is coming out. Maybe it'll come out right at the end of the year, right when Fallout gets 4 gets delayed. 2024. Yeah, maybe yeah, it gets delayed. <laughs> it probably won't, because I do think it is going to be the tip of the spear, yeah. like you said, and hopefully it is good. I was impressed by the gameplay trailer that we sh- saw last year. Okay. There was some um, recent reports on the gaming leaks and rumors and um, Reddit that apparently the play tests were better. Mm. And the player testers were expecting. Like it was of higher quality, blew their expectations out of the water. That's good. I'm not getting overhyped for it, no. but I'm just I'm just like quietly optimistic that I'm gonna love it. Mm. I'm not putting all of my eggs in the Bethesda basket because, you know, their track re- track record over the past decade doesn't really warrant that confidence. <sighs> no. But Starfield is a new IP, I love me some space, I love me this specific brand of space exploration, mm. and even if it is just Fallout or Skyrim in space,
2: you know what, I'll take that, I'll take it. I'm so, that the gameplay demo that you just mentioned was the one that made me completely popped my balloon entirely, because <laughs> I was just like, oh my God, that shooting looks horrible, but um, but like you said, the more recent hands-on stuff, obviously they took feedback from those um, uh, sessions and everything, the, hopefully the shooting is, is better. Like, I, I didn't mind it in Fallout 4, but it wasn't, the game wasn't recommendable as a shooter even though they did have help from mid software so hopefully they've done more with that yeah I just don't have any faith in Bethesda I feel like it's been so, it's been 2011 was a long time ago so I'm curious uh, you know I absolutely adore Skyrim I still hold it up as one of the best games of all time and I still regularly every now and then I'll go back to Skyrim but something will make me think of it and I'll just boot it up on the Switch again um, but yeah I'm curious what they do this first new IP in over 20 years like it's been a long long time and they've got all the backing of Xbox I just I view it more the curiosity for it and the hype for it is more in what does this mean for Xbox Dan? what does this mean for Bethesda Um, because I'm sure they'll put something out that seems ambitious and has nice ideas and is well written but I'm curious how much has the Xbox acquisition affected their development have they started to prioritize polish in a way that they never did before and have they started or stopped relying on modders and stopped relying on the community to fix their games because even Todd Howard talks about that as one of their positives and he says like you know we we keep this same game engine because it's the same engine that they've had for the last few years um, because the modders love it and I'm like that's great but that's not serving your mainstream audience that's not serving the millions uh, and, and hundreds of millions of people who are out there who just get a broken game yes. and it's just I, like i'm i'm sick of that i think like it needs to be done
3: i literally don't think they can do it again right like they cannot like that was all, they were already pushing it Mm. with Skyrim and that was, you know, excused because of how good that game was and how much of a phenomenon it was. But nah, it was already bubbling. Then Fallout 76 happened and they cannot do it again. They cannot do it (laughs) at the tip of the spear of Xbox's future, like you mentioned. I just, if, if it comes out and it's as buggy as the, rest of Bethesda's games mm. I I just don't envision them ever being as big as they once were you know mm. we've had so many franchises so many developers come on leaps and bounds since Bethesda was on top mm. and I hope and I'm sorry for using avatars and an analogy again <laughs> I hope they're kind of like the James Cameron of this year where right. you know why would you ever bet against James Cameron <laughs> yes no one really remembers Avatar but of course 2 billion dollars yeah, of course his next what? movie is going to make 2 billion dollars I hope Bethesda kind of follows suit like why would would we ever bet against Bethesda? Of course they always had it in them, but if they don't, I think it really is like the last time they will ever be talked about in the same breath of the other greats that are currently you know, in in the industry right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah,
2: we'll talk a hell of a lot more about Starfield as the year rolls on. Uh, At the minute, it's just to be confirmed in terms of a a specific release date, but it's kind of being pegged in for the middle of the year, but I guess we'll see. Speaking of Avatar, um, Avatar Frontiers of Pandora is this year as well, um, which is Ubisoft's big Ubisoftification of the Avatar IP. Now, again, I I can't i don't care about avatar <laughs> and, and stupidly people do i just i keep seeing the sales figures for the movie i don't know a single person who cares about Avatar. you've told me some of your friends went and saw it none of my guys have seen it i have i haven't seen it and i care about film and so i don't know i, I saw um <laughs> ex what culture alumni michael potts from years ago tweeted that he absolutely loved the movie so i guess that is someone that i've seen and he was like give me that world uh, interactive and i was like well dude Uh, Frontiers of Pandora is coming out. right? So I guess if you're an Avatar fan, or an Avatar fan, then um, Frontiers of Pandora is going to be that game. Um, But that's just another thing to sort of randomly mention. Quick thoughts on the old Avatar.
3: It's kind of weird that that was originally supposed to come out last year. You know, we saw virtually nothing about (laughs) it and then it was delayed and now we don't know when it's coming out. You know, I'm in a real rut with Ubisoft. They're kind Mm. of like Square Enix to me right Right, now where, you know, I just don't think they've made a good game in a long time or at least... They made a good game. Probably not. They made good games, but they haven't made great games in a long time. Nothing that's really got me intrigued. Like, the last time I loved one of their games was probably Rainbow Six Siege or something. 2016. 2016. So, for as you know, as promising as this avatar game may be and for as malleable Mm. and as adaptable to a gaming environment as that world Mm. is like ubisoft as a company is a creative force i just don't trust no i buy that yeah i buy that. I need them to win me over this year maybe Mm. this is the one that does it but right now i'm like i'm kind of here arms crossed saying (laughs) impress me ubisoft you know give me something that's gonna wow me and they they just haven't for so many years yeah give
2: me something that isn't play tested to death and then you and or like sort of um you know Test audience to death, and um, give me something that actually feels like it has a spark of originality to it. Weirdly, the most fun I've had with a recent Ubisoft game would be Immortals: Phoenix Rising, but that even in itself was a, a riff on Breath of the Wild with like Fortnite art style and an MCU quippy writing style. So yeah, there's there's hopefully like ground to be um, to be covered. Avatar feels like the IP that they could use for that because no one's expecting anything. Yeah, and then it's like, well, maybe that's actually incredible. Um, Chugging in here that Final Fantasy VII Rebirth um, is also to be confirmed for some time this year. Again, we talked about Final Fantasy stuff last week. Um, And when you get through Crisis Core, we'll do a spoiler cast, I think, on that. Um, So there's that. Assassin's Creed Mirage is this year's Assassin's Creed. Um, One of the whole giant plan they've got for the next few years of Assassin's Creed. But Mirage is sort of a return to the original Assassin's Creed in terms of being... I forget when it's set, but it's really, really old in the timeline. It's around about the same time as AC1. Um, Any quick thoughts on Assassin's Creed's state?
3: I would sort of echo what I've just said mm-hmm. uh, about Ubisoft generally there, but I am a sucker for classic Assassin's Creed and the fact that this is going to be smaller scale, you know, more stealth focused, that does get me intrigued, mm-hmm. um, so this will be one that I'll keep an eye on, whether, whether I play it, I'm not entirely sure <laughs> uh, it, but it's going to be a, It's. I think it already feels like it's a stopgap release, you know, they're yeah. talking up Infinity they've talked about all of the games, that that's going to be a part of that service, mm-hmm. and Mirage is kind of like a holdover, it's not gonna going to potentially be indicative of what Assassin's Creed is going to be like for the next few years it just is an Assassin's Creed In at this point <laughs> maybe I can go for that if it yeah. is a good one, a shorter one a more focused one.
2: That's what I'm curious about is that they've made this, this uh, they've described it as being like a return to the old school it's not a gigantic Origins Odyssey like a hundred hour thing it is more of a subdued kind of approach to Assassin's Creed which is what the originals were kind of they were open world but they were more condensed and more focused. Um, I'm just curious how it plays. Have you changed the combat model? Have you tightened those Things up, so we only have a few more minutes left in this studio before the wrestling boys come in and so I'll just say suplex us out. That's not what they do. Super kick us out. That be. You annoying. need a move that lets you fly away. So no, <laughs> suplex would leave us in here, so that wouldn't work. Um, so let's just reel off a whole bunch of other games. We've got to the big ones so far, but we'll see what sticks out. So just you just say things after I reeled these out. Um, so we've got the AEW Fight Forever game. Ironically, as I just mentioned, wrestling, um, but which is getting showed off in February by IGN. There's Hollow Knight sequel Silk Song. Yes, uh, which has been yes,
0: baby! such a
2: long time waiting. Five years, six. Years. that's it i'll believe that one when i see it because every
3: you know scott yes i don't know if this will mean anything to you but hollow knight silk song is like the next frank ocean album every six months i, think I, I will is. type next frank ocean album right because he takes so long to right. release albums and he's so secretive about it uh, it's the same way that i type hollow knight silk song has there been any update often the answer is no but the excitement <laughs> is still there if that comes out this year. That'll be my one of my most anticipated games. I think, good God, I love that original. My
2: head goes. I think Frank Ocean is Drake. No. When I think of Frank Ocean, I think uh, of Drake. Is that not? That's not even, Okay, no. well, that's that's best I can do in 2023. So there's a Hollow Knight silk song. There is lies of P, the Pinocchio Bloodborne game, whatever the hell that thing is, which seems to be getting by on the fact that it's being compared to Bloodborne a lot more. And um, Hill Two is assumedly this year as the remake from Bloober Team. Uh, Baldur's Gate Three, a very long-awaited um, follow-up in terms of the numbered sequels to Baldur's Gate um, from Larry and there, the guys that did uh, Divinity original. And um, the Splinter Cell remake oh, is penciled yes. in for this year as well. And um, we've got WrestleQuest, which is like a top down pixel um, approach, like an RPG approach to becoming a professional wrestler, which looks really, really fun. If you're a wrestling fan, go check out the WrestleQuest trailer. And um, there's Replaced, which is a cyberpunk, um, kind of like that 2D HD art style where it's um, everything is very pixely, but it's also rendered in 3D. Um, there is uh, Alan Wake 2. Yes. There's another one that is, uh, that's a, a much bigger release uh, in terms of uh, what it means for Remedy and then b- returning to Alan Wake. Um, I'm curious how much they do all the cross-universe stuff with that because they started mining that in Control. The idea that Alan Wake is in in Control but they can't do Max Payne because James McCaffrey is the dude yeah. from that game. But it's like, do they do they then bring in um whatever you call it, the character from Control and bring her into uh, Alan Wake?
3: I just realize I can't remember any character's name I think she's called
2: Courtney right someone.
3: I, I don't know yeah, about that, no, but maybe. Jesse Faden. There we go. Yeah. There we go. Played you by know. Courtney Hope.
2: I was close.
3: <laughs> you are, you, are, I was you close. were. You were close. Fun. Um, I would like to see that kind of connection evolve, but I also just wanted to stand on its own as well. yeah. You We've know, yeah. been waiting so long for an Alan Wake sequel that you know, for as much as I love Control, if they start making it all about that, potentially, mm. or start tying it in, he- in in a more heavier way, I would be like, oh, but I've waited for a follow-up to this game for 10 years now, <laughs> you know, focus on that Set that story. you in the corner? Please, oh, please, guys, can just, guys, can you just do this better? Please. Just, I've been here for a while. Yeah. I don't but, know. No, generally, I think they're saying all the right things about Alan Wake 2. They're mm. saying that it's going to be more of a survival horror game. It's going to be scarier, mm. which is exactly what I want. But most importantly, I just love that Remedy is around in making these games. Remedy is is a company built to um, appeal to freaks like me. <laughs> you know their games are weird. They are unashamedly kind of goofy and corny they're at so times, great. but they're so creative. They're so passionate. Like the best parts of Control mm. are the parts where you have like the mad live-action music videos that come in, or you know the ashtray maze where you've yes. got this big thumping song oh, on and you're going through these yeah Ports of the Fall and you're going through like these crazy mazes of levels and I just hope that DNA I hope they've been bolstered by the success of Control mm. uh, to kind of go all in on that stuff with Alan Wake 2 Control
2: is like what I wish Kojima was like mm. like where it's it's such a creative force but it's channeled and everyone's moving in the same direction and it lands properly and as much as I didn't like the very end of Control overall that game is unbelievably on point and just the fact that they cast like specific actors and then they replicate them in the game which lets them do the live action parts and Blair Everything over. I feel like control was like the culmination of everything that they would have built to had been uh, building towards for so long, um, from Max Payne through Alan Wake and then getting to control. So to bring those to go back into Alan Wake and maybe do more. Um, I don't know, like dimensional portly stuff, or whatever they want to do in terms of like bringing the horror monsters and stuff in. Yeah, very curious what Remedy do going forward. Also, they had to do Crossfire X last year. Yes. one of the worst games of the year, just to pay the bills. Um, but they also have an investment from Tencent, so they have a lot of money to put into whatever Alan Wake turns into. Alan Wake two turns into. And um, we have Crash Team Rumble next year. Now there was a Crash, there was a Crash Bandicoot game that leaked that was um, meant to be. It was called a Wumpa tournament or Wumpa league. Yeah. Um, and it's, I think that's what this is. But looking at the gameplay, it's more like a Smash Brothers. And I was like, "Ah, okay, sure. I wanted something where you actually hybrid like... Um, Crash levels, Crash Bandicoot 4-style levels, and maybe it's in an overworld, and we Crash Team race our way between the levels. Because you've got those gameplay models. just st- It's easy to slot them together. I don't know game development, but just, just do it. <laughs> no, you're right, but at the same time, Scott, Go on. Crash Bash
3: is one of the best games ever made. And okay. this is given me Crash Bash vibes in terms of the <laughs> mini-games. And if it's anything like Crash Bash, mm. I will be happy. Um, I feel like they're channeling that. They they certainly yeah. are. And whether This is not what I want Crash to be doing right now. <laughs> I'd take a Crash Bandicoot uh, 5 Life proper, like we mm. talked about this maybe on a podcast before Christmas, possibly, um, and I would want that version of the game that you described there, where you have the crash levels with the racing in between. Yes, but uh, this could be fine. It could be okay. It Might hit my nostalgia a little eh. bit. It's like it's it's very much eh.
2: I just I I mostly second the Crash Bash praise. I loved that game back in the day. Um, however, the way that they've shown this off seems more like it is that side-on camera angle. It just seems like they're going for Smash Brothers because since multiverses blew up it's sort of like all these different games that have been in production or as potentials of prototypes that is like okay the time to capitalize on Smash Brothers rivalry is right now like they've had the monopoly on that genre for so long um, and it's like, you might as well do those things. Um, we also have a Fallout 4 next-gen patch game, um, getting put out, which is like the official version of that uh, as an update, because you can play Fallout 4 on, like, Series X, and it'll sort of dive in there and do all of its automatic stuff. But um, I guess Bethesda is going to do that as a getting in the good graces of people and making sure the best, a decent version of Fallout 4 is out there. Um, the last four I've got down are the Lords of the Fallen as... <laughs> Your little face. My
3: face. Little. Do you want Lords of
2: the Fallen? I want Lords of the Fallen. I okay. really do. I didn't play the original, right?
3: I really liked it. I added it to my library when mm. it was on PlayStation Plus. Probably and, terrible uh, now. Yeah. Yeah. It didn't get like great reviews, no. but as a sucker for Souls-likes right now, yes. I think the Lords of the Fallen looks really good. <laughs> I like the art style. I like the sort of darker approach they've uh, taken at least... Judging by the trailers, and I and I want this to be good. I want to have a good Souls like um, this year. in in from what oh, I've I seen need a break for Souls like really? Oh
2: my god! Yes.
3: Oh Scott, even playing nine of them last year, I could take more. <laughs> so if the Lords of the Fallen is even like a seven out of ten game,
2: you're in there. I'm in there. I uh, I'm curious what they do. The trailer for I've, I feel like I've said I'm curious the entire this entire podcast. But um, the way that they put the trailer out for it, I'm sure it was Danzig's mother was the trailer, uh, the song that was on there. Okay. And I was like, what is? Why just that weird? Every ever since 2014 and Marvel did it it feels like everyone just goes what song can we put on a thing yeah. just get some song points can we put that in there and uh, I just I couldn't that didn't fit at all for me in the trailer but I, I like the original Lords of the Fallen um, just in terms of the art style the big chunky armour and the way that some of the attacks felt and everything um, we've also got Redfall um, the game that I just keep forgetting exists um, from Arcane. follow up to Dishonored 2 um, no sorry follow up to Deathloop um, as the next game that Arcane are doing but that seems like it's a dedicated uh, co-op almost Left for Dead style game yeah. with vampire and sort of um, different sort of co-op encounters and stuff.
3: My hype for this gets, dissipates the further away from it that I get, which is a shame because I I thought the original trailers looked really good Mm. even though kind of, this sort of multiplayer, um, you know, persistent world thing isn't really my thing, but mm. I, I like vampires. I like hunting vampires. Mm-hmm. I thought the aesthetic looked really cool. I did like the promise of the interplay between the different players and mm. stuff. Um, it's just a case of the more delays it gets, the, the more in the shadows it, uh it, it, the more it recedes into the shadows, right, right. The kind of like the, just the less hype I have around mm. it. it I, I hope it's good. I've liked the, other arcane games but yeah it's sort of one where if it came out last year I'd have been buzzing for it but now it's been delayed and we've had so much space between it I'm I'm, I'm on the fence with it it's, now yeah
2: it's in my standard pile of you say it's co-op but can I enjoy it solo because yeah. that's, I've still never I mean I have played Left 4 Dead but I might as well say I haven't because it's been such a tiny amount of Left 4 Dead because there's no point playing Left 4 Dead solo um, it was always a, a co-op game and I feel like Redfall um, I, I think you'll have to play it with people to get the most out of it so I'm curious what the world feels like I absolutely hated Deathloop (laughs) So I'm curious what the gunplay actually feels like. And I guess we'll go from there. The last two that I just threw down because I forgot that they were actually coming out, um, Sea of Stars um, is the next game from the the, uh, developers of The Messenger, which is one of the best... Uh, coolest like pixel 2D platformers um, of the last few years where halfway through the game it switches and just becomes a Metroidvania it's such a confident great game with a really cool soundtrack that's really really well written um, so the next game from them is called Sea of Stars it's like a full on uh, turn based RPG like a um, like a callback to Chrono Trigger because um, they I forget the name of the devs but they said on their website um, that they were just like we grew up with these games we're going to try and do the best version of these that we can um, and massively recommend the messenger if you want a, um, a pixel platformer um, and also Mina the Hollower the next uh, new IP from uh, Yacht Club who did Shovel Knight way back in 2014 right. um, where uh, your Club spent uh, most of the 2010s uh, iterating on Shovel Knight or oh, sorry doing expansions to Shovel Knight and they're all brilliant I absolutely love I've, I've said an infinite amount of times absolutely love Shovel Knight and um, you've never mentioned this this is a couple of times and uh, I might have both I might have all the Amiibos about five times over and um, just so that there's a Shovel Knight everywhere I go and uh, it's the next UIP from them and so they spent so long doing expansions of character packs because all their Kickstarter goals were met and they did an interview saying we kind of wish we never said we would do that stuff, Um, (laughs) saying we'll do additional character packs and everything, um, and stories, because it meant that they ended up spending so much time on that one IP. So, uh, Mina the Hollower is uh, the next game from them, and it's kind of a tribute to old school, like, Game Boy Color era, um, top-down RPG stuff, So, and with a really cool combat model. So, we'll see. That is everything right now, penciled in for 2023. Do
3: you know what's crazy, Scott? Go on. I don't think there's ever been a year where we've gone into the year Mm. with this much stuff, either (laughs) having a concrete release date Mm. or a 2022 window like normally, we go in and we have a few big hitters Mm -hmm. and then we wait to see what's announced. The crazy thing about this year is that we have all of this stuff and more that we've talked about today. True. And stuff that hasn't even been announced yet. (laughs) Stuff that will come out at the end of this year that we don't even know exists right now. What a crazy year and it's why I think it's going to be one of the best.
2: What a season. What a season. What a season. To channel Giant Bomb. But, um, yeah, I mean, that's the thing. The amount of stuff it's... But loads of stuff for the most part, it's spaced out. You've got, like, a week between some stuff. You've got time to play things. There's only a few times when multiple must-buy games are on the same day. Um, so we'll see how all this stuff uh, shakes out. And like we said before, July and August are empty and there's obviously more months for the, the second half of the year anyway. Um, so yes, for right now, this has been the windup for t- all of 2023. Oh, yeah. I've been Scott Telford. You've been Josh Brown. Always a pleasure, Scott Telford. Always a pleasure to be heard by all of you in 2023 and we'll catch you next week. Bye-bye. Goodbye. <laughs>